I just have a thought that I want to, um, to just uh, leave with you today. I, I really do sense, and I was up very early this morning. I was here on the premises literally by about 6.30, and, and I just felt the Lord really dropping in my heart. This was going to be a day of building confidence in those who maybe are feeling like they're slightly faltering in their step or who are um, questioning and doubting because when the circumstances are saying one thing and your heart's desire is saying something else, that tension, that conflict comes in and it's very easy to um, begin to have some questions. So I want to give just a quick encouraging word to you this morning. Um, it was a week ago Friday night in this very room that we... Um, it was an event was conducted here at Bethesda to honor Dave Dave Reaver and his dear wife Brenda for over 50 years of ministry. It was a delightful event. Dave is a regular guest here at Bethesda and dearly loved certainly by this fellowship. <clears throat> Since the event was being hosted here in our in our house, I was asked to do the opening uh, greeting and the welcome. And at that time, I mentioned the fact that I'm quite sure that God gave a dream to Dave 50 years ago when he had started his his ministry. I know that he had studied at Sagu and he had prepared for ministry and I'm sure that as he was beginning, not knowing what was ahead of him, I'm sure that God had given him some sort of a vision of, of what he possibly was going to do. And his dream uh, may have included a glorious celebration of 50 years of ministry such as we were about to do on that night and how wonderful that would be. But I'm also pretty sure um, and I also know this, that when God gives a dream, he doesn't give you the journey. And aren't you glad about that? My point on that Friday night was to give credit to a man and his wife who, though the journey for them had been about as rough and treacherous as anyone that we know in the kingdom, far more than most of us could endure. They have stayed true to Jesus and they have stayed true to their calling for 50 years. That was my point in that introduction. I um, can't help but have a little personal um, sense here that I, I well remember the Sunday night in early 1978. Some of you don't even know there was a 1978. <laughs> when Becky and I were seated in this very sanctuary, right? right back about two-thirds of the way back over here is where we were seated. And a prophetic word was given to us by a man who did not know us. His name was Dick Mills. Caden, I almost stepped on your phone. I'll put it right there. I'll let you know if you get any text messages, okay? <laughs> the man who gave a prophetic word. Mary, you remember Dick Mills? <clears throat> he was a friend of Des and Mary. Dick had no idea who we were. He knew nothing about our past, Becky and I, our past. He knew nothing about us at all. Uh, but um, after he'd had the two of us stand, he just spotted us, had the two of us stand. It's always a frightening thing when a prophet's going to call you out. The word was essentially this. He said the Lord had seen where we were at that time, at that point in time of our lives, that he had his eye on us. That was encouraging and that we were walking into a new day and we were to embrace the transition regardless of the questions within our own heart. Um, we were considering, we were candidating to be the minister of music of this church at that time. The biggest question I had in my mind is, why do they have bright orange carpet in this church? <laughs> it was not rust, it was sun-kissed orange carpet with choir robes to match. <clears throat> 
Yeah, who remembers the day? Anybody? A few of you do. So I'm telling the truth. That was my number one question. I had a few others, but that was the number one question. But he went on to say this. He said, if you will walk by faith into that which is in front of you, meaning the opportunity that we were being presented, and in so doing, this is the part I remember so well, and in so doing will become rooted and grounded that God would bring forth a ministry through this poor little young couple here. It was beyond anything that we could have ever thought or imagined. Well, I'm standing here today to tell you that was 41 years ago, and our roots in this fellowship are extremely deep by now. But what the prophet did not mention that night was anything about the journey to get from that point to where we are today. How many know that the journey sometimes is a little different than the dream? God does give dreams. He does give visions. But rarely, if ever, does he provide for you much of anything, if anything at all, of the journey uh, ahead for you, just an indication of the dream or the vision. And here's the reality. If he did show us the process, most of us would probably go, "Mm, I'll pass. I'm good. Really, I'm good. No thanks. I think that's what most of us would say. Well, the very same thing happened to Joseph. And you know the story in the book of Genesis. God gave him a dream which revealed the end, but not the process to get to the end. Here's the part of the dream that God gave him, but here's the part that was not included in the dream God gave him. He's going to be hated by his own brothers. His brothers would betray him. He's going to get thrown into a pit or a cistern. He's sold into slavery. Then he's sold into Potiphar's home, and though he tries to stay pure, he's accused of sexually assaulting the boss's wife. Then he's thrown into prison, and while he's in prison, he's forgotten there for two years. That's the part of the story God left out when he gave him the dream. Then, after that, the dream takes place, and the dream that God had so encouraged him with had taken, took place after that. Only after the rough stuff had happened in his life did he get to the ending part. The ending part was this, where people are going to bow down to you. So God just gave him the end and not the process, because if God shows you the process instead of the end, then it's a nightmare and not a dream. How do I interpret the rumbling I hear in the room right now? (laughs) Here's the amazing part. It really is amazing. Our sovereign God has a plan of bringing all of those bitter components, all the dark days, all the unpleasant parts of the story together and causing something incredible to take place. That needs a much bigger amen than that. Here's what I would say to that. I don't know anybody else who can take the darkest days of your life, the roughest valleys that you're going to experience, the tears that you cry that no one sees, the things that you harbor only within the confines of your own heart and process and deal with. There's no one else who can take all of those components, put them together, and bring you to a place of victory and a glorious end in all of that. That's one of those things we call it Only the Lord could do that. Would you say only the Lord? Lord. That's just become a phrase that is so quickly on my lips as I see what God is doing in my life. I see what, what he's doing in your lives as I hear your testimonies. Only the Lord could do that. Well, in the midst of this story, when God's working out the plan for this dream of Joseph to be 
fulfilled. There's a little verse. There's just one verse I'm going to bring before you. It's 1150 for those of you who are hungry and watching. 1150. I'm going to be done in just a few minutes. There's a one little verse that catches my eye. And I want to draw your attention to it this morning with the hope that it will offer a great measure of encouragement and confidence to you today. Joseph finally gets to the throne. Because of the famine, his brothers come to see him. And while they're there, kneeling before him, they don't recognize him. Now, I want you to imagine that very moment with me, what must have been going through Joseph's mind. It's been now some 22 years since he's first received the dream. 22 years. The journey's been long and hard. I just gave you a litany of much of what had taken place. It was fraught with peril at every hand. But this one moment arrives where his brothers are kneeling before him. And you've read the story of the dream that he had, that that would actually take place. And then he went and shared it with his brothers, and they got angry with him. And for even saying that, how dare he act like that and say those things. This moment arrives when his brothers, not recognizing who he is, who that is, they've not seen him in 22 years, they are kneeling before him. This had to be almost a surreal moment for Joseph where he said inwardly, this is it. This is the dream. This is it. This is what God promised. This is what I saw in my heart 22 years before. And I can't help but wonder, Bethesda, how many of us are in this room today how many of us have come to this place and are in this house and are yet to wake up and realize this is it? This is the dream. It's been so long in coming. There have been, there's been so much peril along the way. There have been so many times you've been off the rails in the process that somehow you've maybe even forgotten what's, what God had promised he would do, and yet you are living today in that which God had promised. And it's time to wake up and go, this is it. I didn't recognize it. This is it. This is what God has done. But the busyness of the journey has kept you from realizing that. You well remember the dream, and it seems so long ago that you could have almost easily forgotten it. But here's what we need to remember. Sometimes God will give you something, in the form of a dream or a vision, but when he begins to speak to your heart, don't look for it to happen the next day. In our microwave culture, where everything is done instantly, God gives us a dream, and people are ready by that afternoon for it to happen. This is when patience and confidence have to come into play. Don't look for it to happen the next day. Because usually when God speaks something to your heart, here's what that means. It means the process is beginning. The process. He's spoken something to your heart. He's told you here's what he's going to do. He's let you see something that you otherwise not, would not see on your own, which is enough to lure you to come into it and to follow him with it. But it's not going to happen the next day. It means your process is beginning. And here's Joseph 22, 22 years later. This is it. This is the dream. This is what you promised you would do. God, you do keep your promise. You did work it out for good. Scars and bruises? Mm-hmm. Pain? Uh-huh. But God, you came through just as you said you would. So Joseph has to find a way to get his family there, and he chooses not to reveal himself immediately to his brothers. You know this. 
And here's this somewhat mysterious moment where he doesn't reveal himself and his brothers don't know him. They've not seen him for 22 years. And he's creating this uh, scenario, if you will, to see if his brothers really had a repentive heart. That's when then we see the full drama unfold. And in the process of learning where his brothers are at, he holds one of them in prison, Simeon, one of his brothers. He sends the rest back, telling them to bring his youngest brother, Benjamin. I, I want him to come back. They still don't know it's, it's Joseph. This news gets back to dad, Jacob. And he becomes extremely, obviously extremely distraught, basically saying, what is going on? What, what, what's happening? I can't, can't believe how my family's falling apart. He's saying, Joseph, he presumes, is dead. He presumed he was gone and dead. Joseph is dead. My son Simeon is in jail. And now you want my youngest son Benjamin to go back? Are you kidding me? Really? This is what you're asking? And then it comes to the one verse that I'm presenting to you today. It's in Genesis 42, 36, where Jacob exclaimed, You are robbing me of my children. Joseph is gone. Simeon is gone. And now you want to take Benjamin too. And then here it comes. Everything is, go is going against me. Have you ever had a day when you felt like that? Everything is going against me. Now, I, I, I don't know if I'm the only one in the room. Please, I hope somebody responds to this. I don't want to be the only one in the room. I th I'm wondering if I'm the only one in the room has, who's literally woken up a day who when I look to the north, I see bad and negative and not good stuff. When I look to the south, I'm trying to find something to encourage me, and all I see is more trouble and more bad stuff. I look to the east, that's even worse. And I look to the west, and I go, oh my God, is there anything of encouragement? Is there anything anywhere good in my life at all? Am I the only one in the room? Everywhere, I know what it is to wake up on a day, and everywhere my eye turns, Everything I see, everything I look at, everything I touch, it doesn't matter where it is or what it is. Everything I look at, it looks like something nasty and bad's going on. Raise your hand if you've had that day. Forty of you. Okay, great. I know exactly how Jacob felt when he said, everything is against me. I know exactly what that feels like. You can look at your situation at work. You've had relationship struggles there. Your friend, something's gone wrong there. You're not happy with the last encounter you had with that friend, and that, that didn't feel right. It didn't feel good, and you're troubled. It's kept you up at night. Your family, there could be all kinds of dysfunction taking place in your family. Every relationship you have, personal or professional, you can't find relief from it anywhere. You have thoughts like, could I, could I just have one good day? Just, Lord, just one. Could I just get a little encouragement today? Just a little? Could I just get a break from this? But here's the part, Bethesda, hear me carefully. Here's the part that Jacob the father did not realize. All of those things that felt like his family and his life, his world was falling apart, all of those things that were troubling him were being orchestrated by Joseph, his son. And what Jacob thought was against him was actually this. There was someone on the throne that was totally and completely for him. 
And that man on the throne was working out, even as he was feeling that and expressing that, the man on the throne was working out every single detail on behalf of Jacob. And Jacob looked at it like, this is all bitter. This is all against me. Everything is bad. My family's falling apart. And Joseph is back in Egypt going, on the contrary, I'm doing everything I can to get the family here so that you don't have to go through a famine and so that one day we will all be together. Uh, together. And Jacob interpreted the whole situation as everything's out of control and did not know or even recognize that there is a king who is on the throne. Bethesda, you have a king on the throne in your life today. Confidence. Confidence. We may have a little more information than Jacob had, thank God. You may have walked in this place today thinking that all things are against you, faced every demon in hell this week. You may have had every vile attack that you couldn't imagine could all happen in one week or one month, but you have a king who is on the throne, and I want to remind you today, I want you to walk out of here with this confidence today. He's the one who is orchestrating events for you this very day, this very hour as you sit in this room. And when you think that all things are working against you, it is really God who is orchestrating everything on your behalf. He's putting everything together to get you to where you are supposed to be and for him to do the full, complete work he needs to do inside of your life. And our king, who sits on the throne of heaven, wants us to understand and be reminded of this basic principle of Christian living. Whether we like it today or not, it is this. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called come on do better than that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose allow me to once again employ a ridiculously simple illustration and then we're going to close with some celebration with people in songs. I want to finish with um, God's going to get my praise. All right. Where'd Brent go? Is he around? Okay. Get ready, my brother. Might do that. Might do something else. We'll see. Okay. When I was a kid, there was a lady in the church that my folks, my folks pastored. She took care of me frequently while my folks attended lots of meetings. The lady's name was Betty Henderson. She's since gone on to be with the Lord. She became like a second mother to me. She served my parents faithfully and diligently, even to the point of taking care of me. Just saying. Betty was particularly skilled at cooking and baking, which worked out wonderfully well for me. I was thankful for that. But of all the things she baked, I had a favorite. It was her chocolate cake. There's nothing particularly fancy about it. It was just fantastic. It was just a really great, moist chocolate cake. Well, one day, when I was a kid, I said, can I, can I help you bake? I had no idea how to, what to do. Can I help you bake the cake? She said, sure. Well, it was an eye-opening experience for me, one I'll never forget, and one I really couldn't understand at the time. I'd never, I'd never baked a cake before or since. Um, so she gets out all the ingredients to start the process, and I, I remember wondering how... Okay, I've seen the cake when it's finished and we cut it and eat it. How do these ingredients come together to make this cake that sh 
I know she makes really well. I, I wonder if she's got the right stuff. This doesn't look like a cake. Like white powder, eggs, oil. And I remember thinking, if I eat any one of those things, it's going to be disgusting. I mean, like bad. Nobody's throwing flour in their mouth. No, Who eats raw eggs? Just, you know, crunch, eat it. And I've never seen anyone take some Wesson oil and guzzle it down. Be, and most people, there may be some, most people aren't eating a big cup full of sugar. But here's, here's what happens, church. When you put them all together and you stir them all up really good and you put them in an oven and you put some heat on that thing, hello, testing, one, two, and you give it some time to bake, something wonderful comes up that is not meant to come up on its own. <laughs> Hear me. Flour alone can't do that. Eggs alone can't do that. Oil nor sugar alone can't do that. But when you take both the bitter and the sweet and you add some heat to it, let me tell you what comes out is nothing short of a miracle of God. And the message I believe the Lord is wanting us to hear this morning as we are going to walk out of here confident in Him is do not judge Him by one situation. Let me put it another way. Do not judge the sovereign God by one ingredient of your life. It may be the flour. It may be the eggs. Who knows what you're dealing with today. Don't even judge him by a series of individual situations, which we are all prone to do. He is mixing up something for your life that you think is bitter. You think has gone completely off. You think he has forgotten you. He has forsaken you. He, it's, my life can't possibly be of God because nothing about it looks like him. But his word to you this morning is this. You have no idea what the end result is going to look like. And while everything today looks like it's against you, it was a bitter week, it was a, a bitter month, it was a bitter year, maybe you've had a whole bitter season, God is saying, I'm just working things out because all things work together for good to them that love God. And you may say, but it's not good, Pastor Dan, it's not good. Here's my answer to you. Then, dear one, if it's not good, then it's not over and you're not finished yet. That's why you need confidence today in this house. That's why you stand strong in Him. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, which is what we were doing in this house this morning with our praise and our worship. That's why these young people were encouraging us to lift our hands and to shout out our praise, because you're right in the middle of a battle, my dear friend. Right now you are. And what you need is to walk out with the confidence of God that in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the stuff that's in your way, you have to stand strong, and He's working all things together for my good, and I'm going to stand in faith and in confidence that He's going to do it for the glory of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Bless the name of the Lord. I'm a pastor. I can cry easily because I love you. I really do love you.
Becky and I love this fellowship. When you cry, we cry. When you hurt, we hurt. That's why I will stand here and give you a word like this. Because I'm mad at you? No, because I love you. Because I want you to be able to stand strong. Put your foot, you don't even know where your foot's going to go tomorrow. Put your foot down. And when you put your foot down, you're going to find there's something beneath you that's holding you up. And then you take the next step. And then you take the next step. So we stand strong in him and in the power of his might. Come on, kids, come and sing for us again. Bethesda. I'm praying. I'm having a from this moment forward kind of experience right now. From this moment forward. Here's how I'm praying. I learned to pray that way from R.T. Kendall, our friend who was here just a couple of weeks ago. Every time he prays, he says, and God, from this moment forward. It's a statement of faith to me. It's a statement believing that as we pray, God hears us, and he's going to answer us, and there's going to be a change. Something different is going to happen from this moment forward. And we're going to pray in just a second. I don't know if I want you to do hell or high water or what do you want, Jenny? Jenny? Let's do hell or high water first. They have a song called hell or come hell or high water. Can you say that in church? Are you allowed to say that in church? Oh, this is Texas. We can say that in church. You want that? I'll take it. Yes, thank you. Your mother wants you to call her, by the way. (laughs) Two things. I'm going to shut up. I want some of you to wake up to the fact that you are living the dream that God gave you. We are so spoiled in our American culture. We work so hard at our convenience, getting everything comfortable. It's so cultural for us to do that. And then that becomes our expectation. We don't like the word entitled, but we are. We are. We feel entitled. I'm entitled to comfort, convenience, and everything in my life to go great. This is what I'm entitled to. So then when it gets to that point, we can just go, okay, now here's the norm. Well, no, it's not the norm. And if God has brought you and given you a fulfillment of dream or vision that maybe he gave you who knows how long ago, I'm asking you to wake up to it today. And you're going to have a this is it moment. This is what God promised. And if that happens for you, you need to shout your praise from the highest heavens today. For most of the rest of us, hmm, stuff going on. Some of you walked in. I watched you head down today. Because it's been tough. Tough. I'm going to tell you, I felt like I fought some of the very demons of hell this week. Yeah had some attacks that very few of you even know about. Unbelievable. Came straight from the pit of hell. And that's why I know when we get in a service like this, we're not kidding about this thing when it comes to spiritual warfare. We're not kidding. Because we are wrestling. And I know some of you have felt that today. Would you just let this poor old pastor give you a word, this word of encouragement? Stand strong in the power of his might. Don't Take a snapshot of one day, one month, 
one season and assume that's the finish of the story for you. Oh, I know directly who that's going to. It's not the end of the story. The cake is being baked. The ingredients are going together. A little heat on it. That thing's going to rise and it's going to be glorious. And I'm going to eat it with no shame. <laughs> and you don't get to judge me for eating it. Not going to happen. Who wants prayer this morning? Stand to your feet. Prayer for encouragement. Prayer for confidence. If you want prayer, stand to your feet. It's almost everybody in the room, Lord. <clears throat> almost everybody in the room. Our God is able. He's more than able. There's no shortage today in your power. There's no shortage in what you are capable of doing. Your arm is strong today. You are able to give nourishment and strength to all who feel weak in body, who feel weak in spirit. You are able to undergird and put backbone in those who need to stand strong today. Lord, let us walk out of this place with our heads held high simply because our God is great and he's greatly to be praised. Let come what may, hell or high water, we are going to exalt the name of our God. We're going to stand and trust believing that you do all things well. And it doesn't matter what happens. Our confidence is in a sovereign God who does all things well. And we bless your name today. Come on, put your hands together and bless the name of the Lord. <laughs>